Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Welcome to the Waco History Podcast. I'm Randy Lane, great-grandson of Waco architect Roy E. Lane. Over a hundred years ago, he designed the Alico Building, Hippodrome, and other well-known landmarks. My co-host, Dr. Stephen Sloan of Baylor's Oral History Institute, is helping me learn Waco's known and unknown stories. On this episode, Elvis and Waco. I'm probably the only girl alive that ever wiped off a kiss that Elvis <laughs> gave. He was eating sweet pickles, and he pulled me over and gave me this kiss, and it was this sticky sweet pickle juice. I just wiped it off. <laughs> Janice Fidel, owner of the Elvis House in Waco, talks to us about her family's special bond with the king. Almost every weekend, he would come to our house. Come with us on a journey into Waco's past. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco, I'm safe when I reach San Antonio. All right, well, welcome back to the Waco History Podcast. Randy, you've got a special guest for us today. Yes, we have Janice Fidel with us today. Her dad, Eddie, was a disc jockey back in the day and made friends with Elvis. But why don't you tell us the story? My father was a disc jockey in Dallas Mm -hmm. in the 50s. And Elvis was just coming on the scene, as many artists did back in that day. He would travel around to the different radio stations promoting his record. Mm -hmm. So he comes walking into my dad's studio where daddy was working and he comes walking in there and says, hey, you know, would you play my record and help me promote my my song and all that? And so, of course, dad did and they hit it off. They started talking and Elvis was such a friendly person. And daddy, he was always covering sports, you know, entertainment back then, like he met many governors that came to Waco. I mean, he was just always on top of. So was this before he was famous? So like nobody knew who he was at this point? He was just starting to take off. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They struck up a friendship and daddy said, you know, if you ever come to Waco, I'd love to have you to my house. My wife will cook for you. You can, you know, just come over and hang out. And you'd never say that to a celebrity today. (laughs) But back then Elvis said, yeah, sure. You know, I'd love to do that. And so daddy goes home. And he tells my mom, hey, I just met this guy. He's awesome. He's a great singer. His name is Elvis Presley. And my mother said, Elvis who? You know, (laughs) she had never never heard of him. And then a few months later, Elvis appeared at the heart of Texas Coliseum. And dad went to the stage door and told the guard, he goes, I'm a friend of Elvis Presley's and I want to see him. And he goes, yeah, well, so are all these other people. You know, they all want to see him, and they're all his friend. And Dad said, no, really, I am. He said, why don't you go ask him? So the guard humored him, and he goes back, and he goes, do you know a man named Eddie Fidel? And Elvis goes to the stage door, throws it open. He goes, Eddie, come on back, you know. And so it was, it was really a neat, neat time. After that show, 
I heard that back in those days that Elvis used to strap his instruments to the top of the car. So the band members, you know, the two guys that played with him and their instruments and everything come rolling up to our house at uh, 2807 Lasker. My mom has to throw a party. <laughs> it's like, you know, after a show, probably 10, 10, 30, 11, maybe a little bit later. I don't know. And dad shows up and he goes, honey, what have we got to eat? <laughs> you know? So she's pulling out stuff. And I actually remember just a little bit of that. It was I was only about two and a half years old, but our living room was full of smoke. There were a lot of people in there. Different time then. At the Yeah, different time. Music was playing, you know, on the record player, really loud, and it was late at night. I remember that. Elvis was there, so it was really, really cool. So what year was that? That would have been 56. 56. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first time he came to the house. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. And then circumstances are going to change in Elvis's life that, that bring him closer to Waco. Absolutely. When he joined the Army in 1958, he came to Fort Hood. And he spent about six months there from March 58 to September 58. He was there for basic training. And he was in the tank division. Almost every weekend, he would come to our house. He eventually rented a house in Colleen so that he didn't have to stay on base. He really didn't like being on base. He was trying very much to be like one of the guys. But in his position, it was kind of hard. And he missed his parents. He was very close to his mother. So once he rented the house in Colleen, his mom and dad came and stayed at that house. Mm. And they came to our house several times along with Elvis's grandmother. When Elvis's mother visited, she actually gave my mom a cooking lesson so she would know how to cook for Elvis. You know, burnt bacon was one of the big things. Burnt bacon. Burnt. It had to be burnt to a crisp. <laughs> he liked really simple foods. And so uh, Gladys, Elvis's mom, taught my mom what to cook and during that time when he would visit on the weekends, people would kind of, the locals would catch on to what was going on. Mm. I can remember one day I was sitting next to a window in our house at the, at the rear of the house, and I was coloring at a little table that I had. And I looked out the window, and, and like I could see these black you know, limousines pulling up to the side of the house. And I knew it was Elvis. I just started running through the house, you know, hollering for, at my parents, Elvis is here, you know. And He's so, in the building. Yeah, Elvis is in the building. <laughs> so it was really fun. But other people could see those limos too. Mm. And they would, all the neighborhood kids would like come sit on our front lawn. One day we had an issue where a bunch of the kids got on, on the roof of the house trying to get in the house and wanting to see Elvis. And, you know, we had to unlist our phone number and it was unlisted for many years because it would just ring off the hook. So there was a lot of excitement um, when Elvis used to visit and he would bring his army buddies, his friends from base. He would bring his girlfriend at the time who was Anita Wood, beautiful blonde. I've got a picture of her in the book. I loved her, I just idolized her. She looked like Marilyn Monroe to me. (laughs) You know, and I was always trying to get her attention. <laughs> I'd like a little bit of background here. Maybe you can help me with Stephen or Janice. Did Elvis join the military by choice or was he drafted or how did he come to be in the military? Because I know a lot of famous people of the day may have tried to avoid that if possible. Oh, well, the draft wasn't active. It wasn't that he was drafted. 
So he decided he wanted to, to just join up? I don't know that he really decided that he wanted to join up. I think the colonel thought it would be a good thing for him to do. Okay. PR type of thing. PR type of thing. He didn't want to be seen as someone who was avoiding it mm-hmm. like other celebrities did. Okay. Colonel Parker controlled Elvis's career, Elvis's entire life, for better or for worse. You know, there's there's a lot of stories about how things could have been a lot different if the colonel hadn't been in the picture. But Elvis trusted him. And so he did what the colonel asked him to do and joined the Army. He was very distraught about it, however. Mm. He had a deep-seated fear that his fans would forget about him while he was in the Army. And at the house in Colleen that I told you about, the night before he shipped off to Germany, the fan club there had a big party for him. And my dad was there. Mm-hmm. And so were a lot of Elvis's relatives, his cousins, and all these you know people that were very close to him and Elvis was like crying he was upset he Mm. was just devastated that he had to leave he thought his career would be over and of course he would have been 84 this week and people are still talking about Elvis Mm. obviously didn't happen that way it didn't happen so that's very interesting because I was going to say when I went through basic training if I decided I wanted to leave on the weekend that wouldn't have been possible so I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm assuming his situation was a little different I think he got some accommodations (laughs) special privileges But I, but I think of, you know, Elvis, the controversies, right? You know, we think about Elvis in the mid-50s as kind of this kind of a racy figure. Mm-hmm. And so this legitimized him in a lot of ways. He's doing his patriotic duty in serving the country. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure maybe you were too little to remember a lot of the details of this time. But what did your dad tell you about when he came to visit? What did they talk about? You know, what was Elvis like back then? You know, what Elvis wanted to do when he came to visit was relax. He loved to play our piano. He would sit down and he would sing gospel music Mm -hmm. or he would sing songs that were popular on the radio. Daddy would always go when Elvis was going to come. He would go and buy 45 records of the hits on the radio because that's what Elvis wanted to listen to. He did not want to hear his own music. (laughs) He wanted to keep up with what everybody was doing. And Mm -hmm. we have some home recordings. And at that time, there was a popular song by the Toon Weavers, I believe, called Happy Birthday Baby. And we've got recordings of Elvis, my dad, and Anita singing that song over and over at our piano. It's really cool. <laughs> Anita was a singer as well. I she think. was. Yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. She, she was, gave a lot of that up for Elvis. But she yeah, did. Yeah. And she actually had quite a career. Uh, she was from Mississippi, and she had a career in, I think she was in Memphis, doing a radio show for teenagers, the latest on music and whatever, and that's how she met Elvis. Mm. She has an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think he kind of looked at your dad as kind of like a father figure? Because there is a bit of an age difference there, right? Absolutely, he did. In fact, daddy told me later and told a lot of people, my dad used to go and speak to Elvis fan clubs in later years. And he had a story that Elvis had actually asked him to take over for the colonel. He said, would you manage my career for me? Mm. So that was interesting. Your life would be very different, I would think. It would. It would, <laughs> wouldn't it? Wow. Well, maybe Elvis's would have been a little <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I know that the house has a room. That, there was a room that was a listening room or something like that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the layout of their house and maybe where they would stay? Something that I know you tell guests now when they come exactly. and stay at the house. Sure. There used to be, the house was built in 24, I think, 1924. And so it had originally a porticochet on the side of the house, which is like a carport. Mm -hmm. And you would enter 
from the porta cachet you could like pull your car up under it and unload your groceries into the house. Well, in later years, Daddy closed that in and made a little den. When Elvis used to come, I think he enclosed it right after he became friends with Elvis because he had little children in the house. They liked to party and listen to music. We could be part of the you know the other side of the house and they could be over there and not bother anybody. So Daddy closed in that porta cachet. It was pink and black. The whole room, you know, all the shelves were painted pink and black. Those were Elvis's favorite colors at the time. And there was a 45 record player in there and a little stereo. That was before the days of stereo. I'm calling it that. But the, it was a hi-fi. Hi-fi, yes. A hi-fi. And so that's where Elvis would hang out most of the time. So we have a lot of pictures of Elvis in that room and some home movies of Elvis and Anita in that room. So when we recently restored the house to turn it into a vacation rental, I went to the paint store and and had them mix this pink that I remembered very well from my childhood and the black, and we restored the room to look like it had when Elvis used to visit. Okay. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So does pink and black work in 2019? It works for me. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I wouldn't want it in my house, but for there, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought this really cool book with lots of uh, information about Elvis and the history. And I found, uh, we were talking about this earlier, I found the picture. Uh, Looks like Elvis was sneaking a kiss to you. I'm probably only the only girl alive that ever wiped off a kiss that Elvis <laughs> gave. He was eating sweet pickles. <laughs> and he pulled me over and gave me this kiss. And it was this sticky, sweet pickle juice. I just wiped it off. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know at the I, time. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, a lot of people would have never washed their face after that. But, yeah. And I love this other picture here. It's like, you know, Elvis's eyes are closed. And, and typically... You know, if their eyes are closed, you don't you don't keep that picture. But when it's with you and Elvis, you keep that picture. You, yeah. you know what? <laughs> Daddy was so self-conscious about taking pictures of Elvis in our home that he would not do it very often. Mm. So if there was a picture made, it was just going to have to be what it was, you know. But Elvis happened to blink at that time. And if you notice in the picture, Elvis's hair is not jet black. When mm. he entered the Army, you know, they shave everybody's head. And when Elvis's hair grew back, it was uh, his natural kind of sandy colored hair. And being out in the sun and Colleen bleached it out a little bit. So he's blonde and tan mm-hmm. in those pictures. So he looks great. Was he normally wearing his uniform when he came to visit? He, he would. And then he would, it was funny, he would borrow clothes from my dad, shirts from my dad and stuff <laughs> to wear out if they went anywhere. Daddy kept those shirts in a special place. <laughs> Yeah. For a while. Yeah, I'm seeing all these pictures. He seems to always be in uniform. So uh-huh. I was just like, okay, I guess that's all he had. Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask about that when they would go out, because there's places around town, you know, that you know Elvis was here. Mm-hmm. And so what were some of the places that they would go that you remember? Yeah. They went to the Hippodrome one night. I believe it was called the Waco Theater mm-hmm. at that time. And Elvis was very good friends with an actor named Nick Adams. And Nick actually visited our home. And there's some pictures in the book of Nick being in Waco with Elvis at our house. Nick was in a movie with Andy Griffith called No Time for Sergeants. And it had just come out. And Elvis wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. So An he's, army movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Elvis said, Eddie, you know, I'd really like to go see this movie. So, you know, we don't want anybody else in theater and... Can you arrange that? And Daddy said, oh, yeah, no problem. So my dad calls up the theater manager. I said the wrong thing, obviously. He said, 
I'm going to be bringing Elvis Presley in, <laughs> and I don't want anybody to know. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, the theater managers, all of his kids, his grandkids, <laughs> everybody were there. People, you know, found out about it through word of mouth. So Elvis didn't get to watch the whole movie. My mother tells a story of all these people, you know, that were in the theater. All they could do, they weren't watching the movie. They were just watching Elvis. A couple of times people would try and come sit on the row that Elvis was on. <laughs> and Mother was sitting next to him, so she just took her foot, you know how you put your foot on the back of the seat in front of you, <laughs> to block people from, like, coming down that row. And I thought that was pretty cool of her to do that. But they ended up sneaking out the back door. Daddy got the keys to the car. I think it was Elvis's car, probably, which was also a giveaway that Elvis was there. They sneaked out the back door and, and <laughs> had to leave. But he did go to the Hippodrome. And he did eat at the Elite. And when he would visit, too, he loved cream pie. He liked banana cream mm. pie. Who doesn't? I mean, I know, really, especially <laughs> a Southern boy, you know. He catches up with Elvis at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. You've seen some later photos. But yeah. Yeah, too much yeah. pie and bacon. Yeah. When you're, going to, when you're in basic training, you can eat as much pie as you want. Yeah, that's it, right. <laughs> there you go. You know about that. He does, yeah. <laughs> so Daddy would go to local places to buy pies. Um, I guess Mother wasn't a good cream pie maker or something. So he would go to the hickory stick and pick up three or four different pies. And Elvis would claim which one he wanted that night or that day, and that would be his pie. Nobody else would touch it, and he would eat the whole thing, pretty much. And he would also go to the Toddle House, which there used to be a really—I was telling some people about it last night. The Toddle House was a—it's next to an old rundown hotel now, but it used to be where people that stayed at the little motel would eat breakfast. Mm. And it was a cute, cute mm-hmm. little place. And they were known for their pies. So dad would go down there and pick up pies there or at the Hickory Stick. Mm-hmm. Which is closed now as yeah. well. Hickory mm-hmm. Stick's up. All these places could open them back up if they just talk about their claim to Elvis fame, I right? know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so if we came to the the house today, what which was Elvis's? Where did he sleep? Because it's, you know, Elvis slept here. So you walk in the front door. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we have everybody come to the back door and because that's where Elvis would come in. He ah. never came to the front door. Get the real Elvis experience. The real Elvis mm-hmm. experience. So he would come to the back door, and the very front bedroom of the house was my parents' room, and that's where he would hang out and sleep, you know. But Elvis had a very strange sleeping pattern. You know, he was up all night and slept all day. I know that probably changed when he was in the Army. To mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do that. But I think when he would come on the weekends, he would probably be... I don't really remember. I just know it would be like, okay, got to be quiet. Elvis is trying to sleep, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's interesting. I've heard this about other celebrities that, you know, because they're famous and people all want to bother them and take pictures or autographs, that they kind of seek out people that will help them, you know, keep a, a normal kind of life. It sounds like that's what your parents did for him. That's right? what they did for him. And and they weren't the only ones, you know. There were there have been people that befriended Elvis and took him in like that because he liked a family atmosphere. Obviously, you know, he surrounded himself with the Memphis Mafia. Some of those people were his friends since elementary school. Mm -hmm. You know, he liked to have people that would make him feel safe all around him. And my parents were some of those people. So even my relatives, my father's brothers, weren't allowed to come over when Elvis was there. 
It had to be strictly our family. Because it's a big family. It's a big family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it could have turned into a real, real party there. <laughs> but there was one day Elvis wanted hamburgers. And my folks didn't have a grill or anything. And one of my dad's brothers had an outdoor barbecue pit, you know, with the bricks, mm-hmm. you know, bricked in. You know, it was real modern for those times. Everybody, you know, that was cool had one of those. So Uncle Louie had that in his backyard. So my dad asked Elvis, would you mind if we went to Louie's house and let him cook the hamburgers? And Elvis had actually met Uncle Louie one day. Uncle Louie was quite, quite a character. He walked in the back door of our home. Elvis was sitting back there. He totally ignored Elvis, <laughs> totally ignored him, and went straight, you know, looking, you know, for my dad. He just wanted to see my dad, talk to him. Well, that really impressed Elvis. Uncle Louie could have cared less who he was, probably didn't even know who he was. But anyway, who knows that? And so Elvis said, yeah, I'd love to go to Louie's house. So we go over to Uncle Louie's house. They put a record player outside on the back patio. They grill hamburgers. Elvis plays their piano, dances with my cousin, Sandra. I remember that day. It was really it was really fun and very special. So, yeah, he liked a family atmosphere. Are there any other fun stories of Elvis being at your house or with your family? I don't know if this is necessarily fun, but it's interesting because you mentioned that Elvis seemed to like the family atmosphere and didn't really want strangers. Every time he would come in our home, he would come in the back door and he would go to each room to make sure there was nobody in that room, that there was no one in the house but us. So I think that's kind of interesting and kind of telltale mm. about what kind of person he was. It is funny because there's a lot of stories about Elvis's strange behavior. And it's like, how much of that is him and how much of it is the celebrity being thrust upon him? Yeah. So. Well, if you think about it, he was the first person really to have that kind of fame. He could not go anywhere without being mobbed. Mm. So it was. it had to be, you know, a challenge that yeah. n- nobody else has ever faced. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't easy. I, I don't think that was good for him, mm-hmm. you know, mentally. And I think we saw that play out in his mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of sad. But he would do things like rent, you know, a roller rink or a bowling alley or a fairground and just take whoever he wanted to play all night. You know, <laughs> he loved doing things like that. So he was deployed in... in 58, I guess, to Germany. I'm interested in maybe elements of an ongoing relationship that they had kind of after that time period or what that looked like. Right. Let me go back just a little bit. Sure. When Elvis was at Fort Hood, his mother passed away, and she was in Memphis at the time. That was really traumatic for Elvis, as, you know, Mm -hmm. we found out about him, you know, how close he was to his mother. And so dad was very pivotal in Elvis's life at that time. He actually went to Memphis and helped with the funeral arrangements for Gladys. And he was with Vernon, Elvis's father, you know, just helping manage things at that time. Mm. Then when Elvis came back, I guess it was in 1960 when he got out of the Army. Daddy visited Graceland, stayed up there for about a month with Elvis at the house. And that was really neat. And then, I'm not sure what year it was, I believe the movie was Follow That Dream. Daddy went out to California and hung out with Elvis and was on the set of that movie. And then after that, it seems like they kind of lost touch. Mm-hmm. I think part of that was the colonel 
maybe he got wind that Elvis wanted my dad to maybe possibly help him with his career or mm-hmm. help manage him, and I don't think the colonel liked that idea. So some things, you know, it tapered off, mm-hmm. which was sad for my father because he felt like they were really good friends, but whatever the colonel said is what happened. Mm-hmm. And then when Elvis passed away, Dad went up to Graceland and stayed a couple of weeks helping Vernon again with the funeral and the funeral arrangements. And Dad, being part of the press, he, he helped manage the press, release some information you know, to the press at that time of what was going on in the house and help manage everything that was going on up there. Randy's too young, but I remember <laughs> vividly when uh, the day Elvis passed away, and of course it must have been, it was an international thing when it happened. But I, I'm interested if you remember your father's reaction, your family's reaction, even your reaction that day. It was so unexpected. He's 43 or something. I mean, 42. 40, I yeah, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty young man. Mm-hmm. So if you could share. Sure. I was working. I was a hairstylist at that time, and I was working at Head Shapers back in the day, and the radio was on. And it said, you know, special report or whatever, Elvis Presley's passed away. So immediately I go to the front desk to use the phone and call my mom. And I say, does Daddy know about Elvis? She goes, yep, we're packing right now. Mm -hmm. So she was getting his suitcase packed. He was ready to go to Memphis. He left that same day. Of course he was devastated. I mean, the whole world was devastated Mm -hmm. by that. Personally, you know, I, I love the family history I'm a little bit different generation musically. I'm more of a Beatles fan, and, <laughs> you know, uh, that generation. The older I get, the more I appreciate, especially the early Elvis. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. I think it's awesome. Well, that's what we like to think about when we think of Elvis. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do. We don't think of the comeback special and, you know, that you Elvis. Know, yeah. You know, the comeback special is pretty cool if mm-hmm. you go back and watch it now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of Elvis fans who I've gotten to meet from, from going to Elvis Week this past year, they love everything about Elvis. Mm-hmm. The, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. The costumes. Yeah, and, all yeah. of that. You know, I'm strictly a, a 1950s Elvis girl, <laughs> you know, and that's probably be, for a couple of reasons. One is that that's the Elvis that I remember. But two, that's when he was young and sexy and different and just changed the world. You know, that was just so exciting, I'm sure, for the the people that were teenagers at that time, it's like hearing the Beatles for the first time, how revolutionary that was and how exciting and everybody screaming and going crazy. They did the same thing over Elvis. So I know that had to be a really special time in his career. And I think it was also Elvis's happiest time. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's my favorite Elvis. But Elvis fans love everything about him. Your father had the opportunity to get to know him. There's Elvis, and then there's the person who was Elvis, and and your father got to know the person. And I, I'm interested if we don't have that connection. So if you could talk a little bit about maybe some things he shared with you about what sort of person he was. Elvis was a very humble person in the beginning, and I think he probably held on to that most of his life. It can't help but go to your head if you're human, but I think he remained humble his entire life. He was very generous. He was a loving kind of person. You know, I mean, he loved my brother and I. He would always hug us and make us feel important. He loved kids. He was just a very, I think he was a very simple, rather innocent person, real Southern boy, you know, grew up in the church. His mom 
coddled him. You know, he was actually a twin, born a twin. His twin brother passed away at birth. Elvis and his mother were very, very close. They even had their own language that no one could understand except them, that they spoke to each other. It was kind of a mix of baby talk and who knows what else. Mm. But I think Elvis felt a really spiritual connection, too, to his brother. And he felt that he was very lucky to be the one to live. And I think that he felt he had a special purpose to fulfill. Mm. So those were different things that came up, you know, that my dad would talk about. And, of course, when I read things that, that other people have written about Elvis, everybody says, says the same thing. So it's, it's really interesting and, and curious. You know, this small-town, rural, Mississippi kid that becomes, I'm doing air quotes, Elvis, you know, the, this kind of bigger-than-life figure. Exactly. I mean, it's really an amazing transition. It doesn't even need a last name most of the time. You say Elvis, no one knows what you mean. No. <laughs> you know, that's what I was going to say earlier. He was like one of the early celebrities that all you had to say was his first name. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we have Cher. I don't know. I can't even think of anybody. Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> all these celebrities that you just know them by their first name. But I think Elvis was probably the first one like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. There's a story, you know, you were talking about Elvis always wearing a uniform at our home the night before he shipped out he was wearing this really cool like black mohair sweater vest which doesn't sound very cool for a man to be wearing a sweater vest honestly but on Elvis it was really hot (laughs) so my dad had told him you know the last time he saw him wearing it man that is a great looking vest so I described that night how distraught Elvis was and you know people the whole fan club and everyone that was there everybody was crying They were going to miss Elvis. Elvis was distraught. It was a really sad night. But anyway, when Elvis goes into the bedroom to put on his uniform to get on the bus to leave, he brings the sweater back out to my dad, and he goes, Eddie, I know you like this sweater. Why don't you just keep it? So Mm. we still have that sweater, which is kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. And I hear you have one more link to the king. Why don't you tell us about Lamar? I was married to one of the Memphis Mafia, Lamar Fike. He was actually born in Mart, Texas, nearby Mart, Texas, and went to work with Elvis when he was 18 years old. Lamar was commissioned by a famous author back in the late 70s, 80s, named Albert Goldman. You might have heard of him. He did a big biography on John Lennon, Lenny Bruce, and Elvis. Mm -hmm. And he was known for doing very definitive, very in-depth books on these big celebrities so he was working on a book on Elvis and it commissioned Lamar to go around and interview people for him the ones that he couldn't get to he was in New York Mm -hmm. he was writing and so Lamar was his guy in the field so Lamar came to Waco to visit my parents and to interview them and while he was there my father said Janice Janice, you've got to come over and meet Lamar Fike well I was just a little kid the last time I saw Lamar And I was 26 or so at the time. And I go over there, and we hit it off. It was crazy, but we had a lot in common. We had a lot to talk about. Lamar was very charming. Great storyteller. I mean, if he were here, you would just be spellbound. He was great. We ended up married, not for very long, but we did end up married for a a short amount of time. I lived in Nashville with him for a while, and we went to Graceland one day, but at that time... 
it was still closed down. It was before the family had reopened it to the public, so we couldn't get in. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was interesting. I mean, I heard a lot of Elvis stories back when I was married to Lamar. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty yeah. interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really cool, and I like about <coughs> history, especially in Waco here, is that you know, for someone like myself who didn't grow up here, you can go and experience it. And so you have the house still, and people can go stay there. Kind of talk about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A couple of years ago, my brother was thinking, my brother actually owns the house at, on Lasker, and he was thinking of selling it. I thought about it for about a week, and I just hated to see the house leave the family. I really did. So I called him and said, you know, is there any way you would keep it and let's try to do a vacation rental with it? A lot of people are coming to town now because of Magnolia Fixer Upper and all that stuff. I said, do you think you could do that? And he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So then we started on this big project of making the house look as much as, as we could the way it did in the 1950s mm-hmm. and furnishing with mid-century furniture and, you know, things like that, try to bring back that era. And so that's what, what started it, and that's what we're still doing with it right now. It's on Airbnb for rent. So anybody coming to town, you can come stay at the Elvis house. Awesome. And you can, you said you can sleep six people there. Is that right? Six people. And I have all of our family photos are on the walls with a lot of other really cool Elvis artwork by a famous painter that does Elvis and other celebrities. And I also have a lot of our family history written, you know, describing where the picture was taken, where Elvis was standing, what was happening in that room, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's really cool. I'm interested in who comes and stays there, but I'm kind of interested in weird questions that you get. <laughs> you don't have to name names who, who ask you, <laughs> but maybe weird questions that you get from folks that come and stay at the house are unusual questions. Let's unusual not say questions. weird. I mean, you know, what's interesting is I haven't had really a lot of Elvis fans stay there. Interesting. You know, that's one reason I went to Elvis Week this this year in August is to try to promote the house to the Elvis fans. Uh, but I do remember the very first group that ever stayed there was called the Elvis House. I mean, what do you think it's going to be? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know what people thought. But anyway, the, the people that stayed there were going, oh, my gosh, yes, it was called the Elvis House. But we had no idea that Elvis actually stayed here. And they were just <laughs> they were just overwhelmed by all the history and everything. They thought it was really cool. Uh-huh. So I can't think of anywhere else in town that has Elvis memorabilia. Do you know of any other places? Well, the Elite used to have some pictures hanging, but those are gone. That's the only place I could think of. Yeah. We used um, to have the room, the Elvis room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. And the Elvis booth where Uh he sat. I know when they redo the... Oh, well, I, I was asked by someone to provide pictures of Elvis for the new fire station that's going up where the 25th Street Theater is mm-hmm. being torn down. So there may be some Elvis memorabilia in there at some point. So really, if you want to get your Elvis fix and you're in Waco, you're the only place left. Uh, where it? <laughs> where it? I was, it's so funny that now that I'm talking more about Elvis, when I go out and talk to people in the community, people will have stories to tell me. And the other day I was, I was uh, out and about and I introduced myself to someone and I said, oh, my gosh, you're the you're the lady with the Elvis house. And I said, yeah, that's me. And she told me that one day Elvis's car had a flat tire in front of her parents' house. And they lived out in Beverly Hills. I guess Elvis had just come off the highway or something. Mm -hmm. And so he 
came up to their door and knocked on the door and asked if he could use the phone. And he called my dad to come pick him up. So I, th- I just thought that was a really Small cool world. little vignette. <laughs> you know, yeah, a little story about Elvis being in Waco. And, you know, we do have some stories about Elvis and Waco in the book that are really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing she didn't tell you about their Airbnb is... There are all, always peanut butter and bananas in the kitchen. Yes, 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 yes. I yeah. was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With with the recipe on how to make oh. them. Yeah. So it's white bread, nothing healthy there, and bananas and peanut butter. Yep. If people want to find out more about your house, what's the best place for them to go? We have a website called theelvishouse.com. dot mm-hmm. They can email me through that site or the Elvis House at Gmail is the email. We're listed on Airbnb and on TripAdvisor. So Excellent. they can reach me that way. We do sell the book. It's called Elvis Days. It's on the website. But if people want to contact me through the email, I could probably give them a better deal. Oh. So maybe there they you should go. do could that. They mention the Waco History Podcast <laughs> yes, and they get right. a better deal. Promo code <laughs> Waco History Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> All right, Janice, thank you so much for sharing your story and your your family's history with a living legend here in Waco, Texas. Thank you, guys. It's thank been you. a pleasure. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. We'll see you next time. Time ago, as he dropped the guns that she hated in the muddy Brazos below. Cross the Brazos at Waco, right hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos at Waco, I'll walk straight in old San Antonio. Then the night came alive with gunfire. He knew that at last it'd been found. As the ranger's badge showed brightly, El Bandito lay on the ground. Carmela knew he was dying, that all of her dreams were in vain. As she kissed his lips for the last time, she heard him whisper again. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco, I'm safe when I reach San Antonio. I'm safe when I reach San Antonio.